Hey, this week we watched a movie that I uh, can't recall at the moment. Well, that's good, because I have a package for you. Please sign next to the X. Oh, that's right. It was uh, 1990s Terrorgram. <laughs> Following the logic of this movie, I guess Eric dies now. Step, 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 step. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> horrible. Stampy, stampy. Welcome to Stabby Stabby. I'm one of your hosts, Eric. I'm drinking a Coca-Cola Classic right now. Uh, I know, yeah. Sorry, no beer for me. I'm taking a little break today. Uh, but I'm enjoying it. And it's ice cold. And I'm ready to talk about Terrogram. Uh Dan, what's up with you? How are you feeling? Hey. What are you drinking? Uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I gotta say, when somebody just says, I'm drinking a Coke, it sounds kind of bad. But when somebody says they're drinking a Coca-Cola Classic, you just <laughs> made me crave a soda for the first time in a long time. Oh, okay. That sounds delicious. Uh, hey, yeah. I'm Dan. I'm, I'm another host. And um, right now, I'm uh, drinking uh, a little bit of uh, vodka tonic. And then after that, I'm going to dive into this uh, Three Floyd zombie dust. And I'm, I'm excited to talk about this movie. This was a, This was a treat. This is, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, Greg, say hi and tell us what you're putting in your body. Hi, I'm Greg, and I'll be your delivery boy of doom today. Um, <laughs> and I am uh, I'm drinking a Rebel Hill Brewing third anniversary stout, 14%. So it'll God be a, a good evening. <laughs> Look out. Aren't you the last Aren't you the last segment here? Oh, I, actually, I guess we should say, so the movie we're watching today is... A um, what's it called? An anthology. Anthology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's th- it's three horror stories told back to back, and we decided to change things up. Instead of only the sultry sounds of Greg's voice, we would also include the sultry sounds of the other two voices as well. We're each going to take turns narrating a story. All right, I'm and done. they're going to learn. They're going to learn how <laughs> shitty it is to write out a whole plot. <laughs> no shit. Uh, already did. <laughs> taking notes for plot was uh kind of that was labor that was that was hard work yeah it's a job yeah i yeah. know I'm, that's why we guys pay you. typically just to come on here and just crack jokes and drink beer and drink crack and uh just hang that's out not, it's not a lot it's not difficult yeah well i want to hear more about this drinking crack <laughs> well yeah you know, that's that's for the patreon <laughs> oh that's when that'll be in the episode when we cover water power the horror stabby stabby is a knife for the logo, and the uh, Patreon stabby stabby has a heroin needle. <laughs> yeah, we up it. We up that game. <laughs> yeah, we do. Crank that shit to eleven. Uh, no, this is good. I'll say right up front. Um, one of the things that drew me uh, to this movie to begin with was that it's featured like on the box art that this is featuring the voice of James Earl Jones, and I gotta say right off the bat. Um, his whole point in the movie was useless. He was pointless. It was dumb. And the writing that he reads in the narration was stupid. So, I don't know. Do you guys... Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he he plays the voice of retribution. Um, and pretty much he's just like the Rod Serling of the movie. Where yeah. he kind of explains what you're going to see. And then that's about it. There's not really a wraparound story in this. I love the graphics for his voiceover. It was just like a gray cloud <laughs> at the top of the screen. A gray cloud at the bottom of the screen. Space in the middle and then just <laughs> lightning bolts between the clouds and the animation was like super amateur. It looked like, um, 
like Terry Gill, like the Monty Python animations, how they're like cutouts, you know? Oh man. With like the ridiculous, uh, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I was uh, getting like windows NT screensaver vibes through that whole nice, thing. Nice. Yeah. I was, I always got this movie confused with, um, grim prairie tales, which is also a horror anthology from 1990 that has James Earl Jones, but he's actually in it. And it's a, it's a Western, um, Whoa. I always got them like, uh, mixed up that and terror track. Cause the name's similar. I like the idea of a Western themed horror anthology. That sounds awesome. There is a scene. I know that's not what we're talking about today, but there is a scene in there. <laughs> Uh, it's a sex scene where a man gets sucked into a woman's vagina. Hell yes. He like That's fold- exactly my thing. He folds in half and gets like sucked in. It's awesome. So we'll definitely be covering that <laughs> at some point. Greg, yeah, do you need like 10 minutes? <laughs> I think I have that movie, um, but I don't <laughs> think it's good surprised. quality. <laughs> the scene's on you. You can, uh, the scene itself is on YouTube if you want to just check that out. Yeah, it's worth it. <laughs> All right, well, um, we usually talk for about an hour and a half about one movie, so uh, why don't we hop into the plots of these, because uh, uh, it might go seven hours, so we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's dive in. Let's start with Dan's plot. So the first of our three horror movies um, is titled Heroin Overdose. And uh, I, I drew the shortest stick and got to describe this one. So here we go. Uh, so the movie opens with a slow pan over top of a messy room and laying out on the floor. I got to say, I'm a big fan of horror movies that open up with nudity. There's a topless woman in lingerie splayed out on the floor. Um, when suddenly uh, popping into the camera frame is a spinning drill and the camera pulls back and we see that there is a like gimp suited cackling like demon witch but in bdsm gear (laughs) exactly wielding a plug-in electric drill attacking this poor woman who's backing against a wall in terror uh they go back and forth as all the you know standard horror stuff of like shot of the screaming woman shot of the screaming attacker blah 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 when the attacker gets too close and pops the uh, did you guys notice that moment? Pops the <laughs> plug out of the wall and the drill dies, and then she just reaches yeah. down and hits the battery button. <laughs> then the drill goes again. Yeah. And she goes down. the The attacker goes down to attack the woman on the ground. When suddenly the woman um, flails out and kicks the attacker between the legs, and the attacker collapses down to the ground. Um, when suddenly off camera, you hear somebody shouting "Cut!" angrily, and we realize that we're actually on the set of a movie being filmed. Now, uh, my question, like, did, did the monster, uh, remind you of anything? Like, I had a very clear thought of what I, when, when they showed the, the gimp monster. Oh, uh, let's hear it. I, I thought it was a mix of, like, the Pulp Fiction gimp, obviously, mixed with Rawhead Rex. Oh, yeah. Like, it had that, like, that mohawky type hair going on. The teeth. Uh, the teeth, yeah. the teeth yeah. were awesome. Oh, and there was a moment where the gimp like takes the drill and shoves it through her own hand. I'm oh, sorry, that, that's besides the point. Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about, Greg. And yes, now that you said it, I can't get those things out of my head. The first thing that popped in my head was uh, obviously was Pulp Fiction. Yeah, like a chunkier, chunkier gimp, which is rad. The laugh reminded me of like the bad guy in Roger Rabbit, <laughs> like that, the high pitched like. <laughs> Laugh. As he's, as he's very, melting at the end? As he's melting, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the drill through the hand is fantastic. That was, that was my, pretty good. 
My favorite part was after he drills through his hand, he like looks at her through the hole and goes, "You." That'd <laughs> <laughs> be doubled over. Uh, so, so yeah, it's revealed that we're actually on the set of a horror movie being filmed, and the uh, director Alan is furious and freaking out and yelling at everybody. Thought it would add to the scene, you know, be more realistic if I fought back a little. Oh, she thought it would be more realistic if she kicked the killer in the nuts. Show me, show me in the script where it says the bimbo kicks the antagonist in the ball. And he keeps ta- calling the actress, whose name is Debbie, a dumb bimbo and a stupid blonde. Um, and you're not supposed to attack the attacker. You're just here to show your tits so that guys watching the movie can jerk off. And the actress is upset, and she's saying, well, if I was in this position, I would want to fight back. And he just keeps saying, I don't care. I want to fire you. Um, a producer comes in from off camera and kind of comforts the woman and tries to placate the director. So the director leaves. Uh, pretty much the director's an asshole, and the woman wants you know, more female empowerment in her parts. And that's perfectly acceptable, but you know, you're in a, you're in a smut film. There, there was a really interesting little thing that they're doing in here too um the director's name is alan smythe um which is a pseudonym uh used by directors when they wanted to basically disown the movie mm. oh they that's directed. great yeah um i think it stopped being in use in like 2010 or 2000 something like that um but yeah basically if uh, they could make a case that the studio took the movie away from them like it's not their vision they were allowed to use Alan Smythe as as the like director name. Wow, no shit. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool because when I when they said it, I was like, that sounds familiar. I know that that's a thing. So I you know I googled it and 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 found uh, and figured it out. But uh, yeah, I thought that was cool. That's really cool. So now the uh, the director stormed off and he he goes into his office. Uh, actually, how would you guys describe the director? Just so people listening can wrap their heads around what's going on. Say so he's uh, like pretty similar to Eric. Yeah. He's- like <laughs> extremely handsome and physically fit. Uh, he's just this this little high pitched like narcissist. He's like Weasley, like a weasel. Yeah, I was thinking like if Regis film uh, Philbin did uh, porn movies, directed porn movies. He's got kind of like a Regis vibe to him, just skinnier and smaller. Skinny, high pitched voice. Yeah. He also yeah. dresses in like a seventies style. Like he's got like gold chains and chest hair hanging out and like a big collared <laughs> shirt. You know. We'll just say he's compensating a lot. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna dive into all the layers in which he's compensating throughout this movie. It's pretty great. Uh so he, he leaves the set of the film. Um, storms into his office and he's all upset and uh, you know just like every Hollywood exec he uh, reaches over and um, pulls the he has like a little pen stand on his desk and he opens it up and there inside already cooked and ready to go is a little syringe of heroin so he just ties off at his desk uh, gets high on heroin and just as he's settling into his high there's a knock at the door and he like pushes all of his stuff away and calls in whoever was knocking and Lo and behold, it is our creepy delivery man. I have a package for you. You're a delivery man? Special delivery, Mr. Lane. Does this look like a goddamn warehouse? Give that shit to my secretary. I can't do that, Mr. Layton. You have to sign for this personally. Right next to the X. 
this this character like pops in and out of every single one of the movies we're going to be talking about and i i guess the theme is that the delivery man is like bringing retribution or like you're mm-hmm. just desserts everybody yeah. like does something wrong and then they receive a package that is their their comeuppance yeah that's where terragram comes from instead of telegram which is so funny like you think like a, a more modern retelling of this would be like evil mail instead of email <laughs> <laughs> i mean this was 1990 as well like were telegrams really that <laughs> in know. vogue at the time i don't know i mean i was i was alive in 1990 and i n- never got a telegram i don't think i've ever received a telegram never once i barely get mail that's not bills that's true telegram <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's exactly what it is. Like, it's like the singing telegram who gets shot in Clue. Like, right. that's my only reference for <laughs> like telegrams. I I love his outfit. So he, his outfit had a lightning bolt like on his chest, and then he had a hat with a lightning bolt on it, and it tied back to like the clouds with the lightning bolts with James Earl Jones. Voice. Oh, I didn't even connect those two things. I have right. no idea what the significance is, but there was lots of lightning bolts. Maybe it's like a uh, connection of like. Zeus paying like retribution to you know those who offended him or like God smites people with lightning like in almost every tradition mm, um, it's true. so that yeah. makes sense but yeah I think the Zeus thing works yeah that's good thinking or he's the, or he's the flash <laughs> he's very fast um, well, actually, uh, one little costume detail that I liked was the lightning bolts, the like embroidery that they used in the costume. There must be like a little bit of uh, reflective material in there because every time he shot, the like lightning bolts are glowing. It mm. kind of seems really unnatural. It's a pretty cool effect. That's cool. Um, so the uh, delivery man interrupts him and um, says some foreboding, creepy things, and then asks our director, who's very annoyed that his high is being interrupted. Uh, to sign by the X to receive his package. And so the director signs, he shoos the delivery man away and opens the package and only finds um, copies of his own scripts of his movies. He has four of his own scripts lying there in his package and he's confused um, and he doesn't know why he's getting his own scripts. Uh, And with that, he leaves the building, climbs into his massive, definitely not, absolutely not penis-shaped car. It's certainly not a tremendous penis on wheels. Flesh-colored car. Do you guys know what kind of car that was? It was fucking huge. I couldn't wrap my head around it. I think it might have been a Rolls-Royce. It was absurd. It was was one of the biggest rich man dick cars I've ever seen. Uh, and he goes to leave the uh, the grounds of the studio where they're shooting, the lot where they're shooting, and there's a female guard, attractive female guard, you know, kind of doesn't, you know, get the gate up fast enough, and he yells at her a lot, and finally she lifts the gate for him, and then he moves on his way. And as he's, you know, driving towards his home, I, I guess driving high on heroin <laughs> this whole time, he's driving on his, on his way home, we see there's like a, a group of um, roadside construction workers that are all females, and they all catcall and whistle at him. Um, and at one point he stops at a light and an old pickup truck pulls up next to him and a female leans out of the front driver's seat and cat calls him. Hey baby, how's it hanging? <laughs> so, I don't, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to sound wrong, but like if that happened to me, I would feel pretty good. <laughs> like, <laughs> that has never happened to me in my entire life. You'd just be like, right on. Yeah. I'm having a good day. <laughs> Hell yeah. I am flattered. Um, so he, he continues on. He isn't noticing anything. Uh, I, but I think to the audience at this point, it's supposed to be kind of clear, like, wow, he's only interacting with females so far. Um, he pulls into a gas station and uh, no attendants are at the gas station. This is probably my favorite part Same. of this whole, Same, dude. Yeah. This whole sequence. Yeah. 
he's frustrated because nobody's coming out to pump his gas. So what does he do? He hops out of his car and walks into the garage. And there inside the garage are two like completely stereotyped yodel redneck hick uh, gas station attendants, like car mechanic uh, archetypes. Uh, but they're both females and they're both just yucking it up, laughing at each other. This like deep Southern <laughs> and like spitting, chewing tobacco out left and right. And they just, they sexually harass the <laughs> fuck out of this guy. They do. It's great. Don't you want your oil check too, huh, Mr. Fancy Pants? <laughs> That's not a problem. Ain't no problem, mister. Yes, name service. They're great. They're pretty good. They're so over the top. At first, I was like, really? And then I just kind of liked them after like the first two seconds. I was like, yeah. You know. I would watch a movie that's just about these two yeah. women running this oh, garage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that they also like both of them had like casts on their arms. They had like crutches. Like they're not, <laughs> at this point, they're not great at being a mechanic. Uh, to begin not with. at all. Like, they can't do anything uh, besides sexually Actually, harass the uh, gross old man that came that showed up. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they say that they're going to uh, fill his car up with gas, and he asks, hey, can I use the bathroom? So he goes off to use the bathroom, which all of this actually kind of echoes. What was the movie where a woman needs gas, and then she goes to use the bathroom? Kingdom of the Spiders. Her. Kingdom of the right? Spiders. It's yeah. actually kind of exactly yeah. that, mirrored, but with the genders uh, Yeah, reversed. totally. Uh, he goes into the bathroom to use it, and <laughs> this is where they reveal. Uh, I, I, actually, I should say, when he walks away to go to the bathroom, you hear the two gas station attendants like joking with each other, like, "You see the size of his balls? Make a damn whore proud!" So he goes into the bathroom and he pulls his pants down, and that's when it's revealed that. Uh, one, he's wearing a pretty sick pair of uh, leopard print, like, man thong kind of underwear. And two, he's got this huge fake, like, what do you call that? Like a cod piece? No. Like a, it's like a big stuffed sock it's that's just hanging down in front of him? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's pretty much like, it's pretty much just like a strap-on. Greg like knows. Strap-on Greg, Greg wears one. <laughs> Greg's like, no, it's a, it was a brand named, it was a Toshiba strap-on, <laughs> Toshiba. Uh, co- cotton dong, it's called a cotton uh, $45 dong. $45 wow. on Amazon, free shipping, got Prime. Uh, but we should clarify, whatever, or I would like to clarify, whatever the purpose of this device is, it is not for, it is a soft, flimsy thing. Like, it purely exists for, like, through pants yeah. aesthetic. Yeah. There, there's no, like, no sex play going on with this thing. It's just a sock. Uh, yeah, so he uh, he's at the toilet. He's he's trying to pee, but he's got this wiener log <laughs> that he has like propped up on the toilet. And suddenly he hears voices coming from the other room, and he realizes, oh my god, these women are peeping at me through a hole in the urinal. And yes, they are, and they're making fun of him for his fake dick. So he grabs his fake dick and he pulls his pants up and he goes, and runs back outside and gets his in his car and drives away. And all the while, the gas station attendants are still just yucking it up and laughing and over the they, top. They also said, "It's just glorious." Yes, they also said it was a uh, phony baloney. Was the other line they said? <laughs> oh, that's great! I didn't even catch that. <laughs> yeah, good sequence. So a little bit farther down the road, he goes to turn down his home street, or what we're told is his home street, uh, when he's stopped by a police officer, a female police officer, who tells him, "I'm sorry, the road is closed. There's barriers up. There's been an accident." 
Um, he, like, through this entire movie, all he does is throw hissy fits. So he's just throwing a hissy fit at the cop. Come on, I can see my house. It's right there. Just let me turn down the road. When suddenly another police officer walks up, and you only see them from their back. And you hear this deep voice saying, like, you know, stay in your car. You know, she already said you need to keep moving, so you need to take the detour. So he's intimidated, and he gets back in his car and drives away to take the detour. And then that second police officer turns around and it's just a beautiful blonde with like a plunging neckline with a very deep voice being like, Man, give them a few bucks and they think they own the world. Let's have a cup of coffee. But yeah, I, that was, I like that. I like that part because it's just... Nice little reveal. He, he obviously um, has no uh, no respect for women. I think they say at the beginning that, or he says that he, uh, with women, he only sees two things, hysteria and lust. Um, yeah. So like he just he doesn't respect women, but he thought this was a man. So, I mean, I that was I that was pretty cool. So uh, he goes to take the detour that the police sent him on, and uh, do you guys know what road he turns down? Yep. It was Elm, Elm Street. Street. <laughs> he he takes a left onto Elm Street. Um, which did you notice in the corner of the sign? It has like the, uh, I, I guess it's like the street number or whatever. There's like a series of numbers in the corner of the road sign, and it's six nine six six six. No, I didn't notice that. Yeah, th- this movie's super goofy. <laughs> I loved it. Um, and just as he get, gets onto Elm Street, his giant penis car pops a vein and breaks down. Um, so he has to pull over, and he opens up the uh, front hood, and it's just steaming everywhere. And he's, you know, ah, oh, damn it. You know, he's so frustrated. Um, when out of the blue, this big old beater, rusted out muscle car pulls up with these two large women in bowling uniforms like they're on a bowling team together they totally reminded me of like side characters from like the big lebowski (laughs) they would feel perfect in the big lebowski they come rolling up in this old beater rusted out car and offer him a ride to the nearest phone uh do you remember what she said about her car uh no she said it runs like a two-peckered billy goat (laughs) (laughs) oh that's right and she's like you want to see and he's like no uh th- this this part has some really good lines like they they this went a little long in my opinion the the bowling yeah, women it um but it was it was basically them just yeah sexually harassing him the entire time repeatedly and they're all the, like they they pull moves that we have seen the, this whole movie is full of little inside nods for horror fans so if you've seen other exploitation kind of like smutty horror movies you will recognize all these moves like there's a moment where they both go to like move the shifter to put the car into the next gear and one of them their hand accidentally slips and grabs like our protagonist dick and they're like oh sorry didn't mean to but you know that they're just groping him uh, at one point, uh, they they offer him a, a, a Sudweiser beer, and he turns <laughs> yeah. it down and says, "No, I'm I'm known as uh, more of a weenophile," is how he pronounces it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they make fun of him for that because he likes wine and because he's a weenophile. Yeah, they they pronounce it weenophile. <laughs> Don't drink. Not beer. Oh, you like me, huh? Just like that hard stuff. <laughs> I have quite a reputation as a weenophile. Weenophile? I don't know what that means, but I think I like the sound of it. I don't know. Do you, do you guys want to talk about anything else in this car? Because it does go a little long. It, it's pretty funny. They're fun characters, but it's just a lot of them harassing him. There's two things that I liked. Um, when they open the, the glove box, um, you see that there's two like wanted um, flyers for the women in the car. 
um, which was yes. kind of like another thing. It's kind of like the hitcher, you know, that kind of thing where it's like, oh, I'm in a car with with bad people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was uh, they they uh, rip off his chest hair, <laughs> so he <laughs> had a chest toupee. <laughs> so that's like another thing that he's pretending, you know, to be more yep. manly. Yeah, artifice. Um, yeah, don't they? Um replace it with a cat or something there's like a cat on the <laughs> they try yeah. she's oh, like oh, there. oh i'm sorry there. i'm jumping ahead yeah no you're good no no that's fine uh yeah so i guess the only two important things that really happen in, in this car ride is one they ask him what he does and he says that he directs movies and they ask him oh any movies that we would have heard of and he starts describing the plots to some of his movies and Kind of he starts to realize and the audience definitely starts to realize that he is describing the plot to a movie that is exactly what's happening to him right now. Like the plot that he describes is a guy has his car breakdown, can't get to his home, gets picked up by a pair of, you know, redneck strangers who then murder him with a microwave. And it was the microwave massacre was this movie he was describing. No, it was a different name because that is actually a real movie. Microwave massacre. <laughs> It was, no, that was the it, name. I of the think movie it was in like this movie. I think it was like the Michigan mi- microwave massacre. They changed it a little bit. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah, but but that it's yeah, that's basically it. Though. Uh, same thing. Yeah. Um, and then as they're listening to this and enraptured, one of them spills beer on his uh, chest and goes to wipe the beer off, and lo and behold, he's wearing what? What do you call a chest toupee? Like a chest merkin, maybe. <laughs> yeah, he's he, he's got a chur- a churkin. He's wearing a churkin. Yeah, jerkin jerkin. <laughs> and it freaks her out and she like rips it off of him and throws it out of the car so they have to stop the car because he says that he paid $1,500 for it <laughs> so they have to stop the car and scour the side of the road for it one of them finds a dead cat <laughs> and tries to offer him the dead cat to replace it uh, and as they're looking for the churkin um, who should show up but a, uh, a biker gang full of leather clad women with um, like topless leather daddy muscle men on chains dragging behind them like riding on the backs of their bikes and then when they get off their bikes they're like walking them ahead on chains like they're their pets they're they're submissives and uh they start firing their shotguns at the the rednecks cars and asking them like who's bothering this man or something like that uh and this is when alan the director like it all sinks in he realizes this is all wrong you girls aren't supposed to be doing this. They are. That's how I wrote it. What the fuck are you talking about? My screenplay, Psychomaniacs. You aren't supposed to be acting like this. You're women, for Christ's sake. You should be sitting on the bikes, posing, showing your tits, urging the men to fight. Uh, and at this point, the rednecks get freaked out and they haul ass out of there. Uh, and the uh, women on the bikes, to be honest, I don't even remember what the women on the bikes wanted. They just, like, laugh at them and push <laughs> yeah. them around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, then they just kind of yeah. drive away. They're just like, all right, that was enough. Yeah. Maybe the point of them being there was they, it was such an outlandish thing to happen that it's what made him realize, like, oh, I'm not in real life. I'm in a movie or something right now. So when they leave him with their, their leather daddies and chains behind them, uh, he's just left on the road and he's realizing, okay, well, I need to find a phone. I'm definitely in a dream. And he wanders off. He finds a phone booth um, and he goes in. <laughs> the phone is ringing in the phone booth. So he picks it up and he just hears this voice that just says, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and he just says, what are you, my agent? And hangs up, which I, I laughed at. Yeah, it was good. Uh, and then he realizes, like, I don't need to call anybody. I just need to wake up. And just then, a pair of headlights illuminate the phone booth, and there's a truck revving its engine, 
and the phone starts ringing again and he turns and he starts flipping off the truck and he's like you can't hurt me this is just a dream you know i'm just gonna wake up and then he picks up the phone and he hears like this old woman's voice and he goes mom (laughs) or mother (laughs) and the old woman on the other end says if you die in your dreams you'll die in real life (laughs) (laughs) it's great and then we hear his mother start cackling exactly like the killer from the start of the movie, the the, the leather daddy killer. Uh, so then he freaks out and he dives out of the phone booth and the truck plows through the phone booth and it's a big action sequence. And from here on out, um, it turns into a chase scene. Uh, when he goes to run out of the, uh, the phone booth, when he falls out of the phone booth, his pants split open. So there's a little bit more artifices going away. His He's wearing like a toupee on his head this time and that tears off. So now he's got this like, he's bald on the top of his head and his like hair is like flapping off of it. He really looks silly. Uh, and he goes and he runs and he finds a area, what was like a, a factory of some kind? Like a basement or a in, warehouse kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. He wanders into the basement of some horror movie warehouse because <laughs> these things only exist in horror movies. Um, and this cackling leather-clad killer is following around. Only this time, instead of an electric drill, it's like one of those electric turkey carvers. Yeah. Or like a, like a, what what do you call it? Like a hedge clipper? To me, it looked like an electric knife. Like exactly what you would use to carve a turkey. Yeah. 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 Uh, So he's running, and as he's running, like articles of his clothes are falling off. Like he loses his shoes at one point. His pants keep falling down because they're so torn. Uh, at one point, he like trips over a baby doll, which then later our killer finds, and our, our killer is a female, and she finds her, and there's like a moment where you're like, oh, he's she's looking at it, and like, oh, you know, maternal instinct. They, no, then she just cuts it in half. <laughs> yeah, and the the baby doll has like guts, blood and guts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wanted to ask yeah, about yeah. that. I thought I saw guts, but I didn't yeah, know. So weird. Yeah, great. Um, so he, he finds like a corner, like a room in the corner that he can hide inside of and he slams the door and locks it behind him. Uh, but his pants get caught in the door. <laughs> so he's like trying to pull his pants out and he can't do it. And just then a fist comes smashing through the glass in the door above his head. And it's the the arm of the killer and it has the electric knife in his hand. And he's like waving it around and waving it around. So of course, what does he have to do? He has to take his pants off. So now... Our protagonist, Alan, is he's lost his hair, he's lost his shoes, he's lost his pants, he's lost his shirt. Oh, at one point, he, tur- he took his shirt off and, like, tried to make a decoy out of it. Like, he tried to throw it in a different room to make the monster think they went in a different direction. Y- you get what I'm saying. He's, like, lost everything. All of the artifice of this man is completely gone, and he's practically naked and terrified, which would make a great reality TV show, I should add. And he winds up huddled in the corner of this dank basement with the killer creeping up on him and about ready to attack. And uh, what does the killer do instead of striking the killer blow? Um, she cuts her own fingers off <laughs> just to freak him out. That's great. Which is <laughs> so funny. Uh, pretty great effect too. The uh, Both times when she drilled a hole in her hand and when she cut her fingers off, it looked yep. awesome. He ends up in the showers, right? Isn't he like in a shower room? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's right. He he's he's like in a shower and he's like screaming and there's water spraying on his head and all the while she's just standing there cutting her own hand or fingers off. What, what, like what what's great about that is that when he's like going through the hallway looking for a place to hide, there's a big sign that says like two showers <laughs> yeah. with like an arrow, yeah. just like you know how there's always you know shower scenes in like um, oh, you know eighties horror movies good. and sexploitation stuff just to get nudity into the movies. Right. 
Right. Um, but yeah, it was just a, a huge sign that just said two showers. I uh, thought that was really funny. Yeah, it was great. I didn't even connect that. I, 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 I will absolutely watch this movie again at some point, but we'll get to the ratings later. All right. So he's being soaked with water. Uh, he's being harassed by a person mangling their own hand. Um, and he's just leaning against the wall screaming when suddenly it cuts to somebody shaking Alan, um, our director, who's actually inside of the shower. I guess he has like a private shower in his office, which is pretty fucking awesome. I want that one day. That'd be so cool. So he's collapsed on the ground inside of this shower in his office and that producer and the actress and all these um, employees of his who are working on this movie are like trying to wake him up and they won't wake up. And it's kind of funny. They're like, oh, damn it. He overdosed. Oh, bummer. Oh, geez. And uh, they say like, oh, not again. Like, let's not help him out this like this time. Let's let somebody else find him. You son of a bitch. I'd have let you die, goddamn junkie. What do we do with him? The execs are on their way here. Leave the bastard. Let them see what I've had to put up with the last three years. So they all just go to leave the room and the producer kind of stops the actress from the start of the movie. The actress who had initially gotten in trouble for trying to fight back in her scene. Um, and he says, hey, about that, you know, fighting back bit. And she says, no, you know, I, I learned my lesson. I'll follow the script. I won't fight back. And he said, no, I think you should. I think you're right. I would fight back too. And then the two of them walk away. Uh, and then it cuts back to our, our our director friend, Alan, sitting passed out on the floor of this bathroom. It's kind of a close-up shot, and he kind of starts to come to. He's starting to wake up a little bit when suddenly the leather-clad BDSM murderer with the electric knife sh like flies through the wall <laughs> behind him and starts strangling him. And the movie ends on a freeze frame of him screaming, as I, I guess we're to assume, as he dies. Yeah, the jump scare at the end I, was my least favorite part of that whole thing. Um, I think. Well, they had to have it. Eh. It felt like a necessary ingredient for a movie like this. Um, I don't know. It was the end of the first, you know, segment, yes. so I, I could have done without That's it. True. But um, it was. Eh, I don't mind seeing the monster again. So I like the monster. It was fun. The, the monster yeah. was great. It's my favorite part. I think the monster and the uh, the two hick mechanics. The, the cackling laugh of the monster like sold that character for me. Just made it totally. completely. It, it got so grating though. Yeah, I mean it was like, <laughs> it's a little much, it, but yeah. In the last like third of that segment, it was just that monster just cackling over and over again. It was just like, oh my god, my brain hurts. <laughs> that was the end of our first movie. Uh, who's got the uh, next one here? Now let's hear from Eric. So I have the second story. Uh, it's called Pandora. So we begin again um, with the James Earl Jones voiceover with the two clouds with the lightning bolts in space. That looks like Monty Python. Um, he introduces us to our main character, Angela Pandoras, and says some shit about her being like bent on success. She wants to become a network anchor. He basically tells you what's going to happen. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's like, but Angela Pandoras is only a signature away from the most frightening gift imaginable, her own lost conscience. Uh, so we start out with a kid walking down uh, a street in the middle of the night, and he picks up like a jack-in-the-box toy, and it has this like sinister clown on it. And then immediately, <laughs> like, like a second after he picks it up, he just gets hit by a white Audi, just... Boom. Uh, hits the kid. 
and um, the woman gets out of the car. It's it's our it's our main character, and we have a flash of her imagining that she loses her job over this accident. So what does she do? She flees the scene, um, and then we just see like a shot of the Jack in the Box with like smoke and red lights and shit coming out of it. But basically, basically, it's a hit and run. Um, so I have a question about this. Yeah. Do you think did she? And maybe I'm jumping ahead, but did she do this on purpose? I don't think so. Did she? No. I okay. Get that all right. Okay. All right. I mean, actually, I I mean, like, it seems it... innocent enough. Like you said at the opening, like she, he was a little boy skipping down a road in the middle of the night. So like something like yeah. this is perfectly with like reasonable to happen. Yeah. I just didn't know if it was like she could break this big story and she invented the story on her own, but I don't think so. I think it was an accident. So, uh, so we're back in the newsroom. And there's actually a reference to um, Alan, the director, in the first story. Yeah. Did you, did you guys catch yeah. that? Was um, it the poster on the wall? No. It's it, There's actually, like, the newscast in the background is talking about how they found Alan after a heroin overdose in the shower. And I, I think they say that he dies. Oh, shit. Yeah, they called him the worst film director of all time. <laughs> yeah. <It's> like, <laughs> um, they, it also references the character in the third story as well. Uh, oh, right before they start talking about Alan, they're already talking about the the third character. Yeah. Oh, so oh I thought that's it was cool. pretty cool because um, it's really it's in yeah. the background there, and you don't really need to hear it. But if you do, it's a nice little kind of Easter egg that they put in. Yeah. So we uh, we get like a breaking news uh, from Mobile One, uh, and they talk about there's a hit and run, and the reporter sort of jumps in, who is co-anchor. One of her lines is, um, "Will the boy live?" They're rushing him to the emergency now, but it's doubtful. And the paramedics say that this is really a blessing in disguise. For if the boy should survive, he would be no more than a vegetable. Yeah, <laughs> which is like, just proper reporter talk. Uh, so Angela's there. She's co-anchor with uh, this guy, Tom. I, I'm assuming there's some sort of like local news team up. Um, and within the report, we, we hear that one piece of evidence was found from the cops. Um, and, and there's a moment where the reporter's interviewing the mom. The mom's crying. Oh my god! Did you guys catch that? Dude, that she, scene was brutal. <laughs> that was so fucking funny. Yeah, she totally like manipulates the mom to get her crying on camera, and then as soon as they cut, she turns to like the cameraman and is like, "Did I look good? Did I look great?" He was like, "Yeah, you look hot." And the mom's like, "What about my boy?" The reporter's like, uh, "Well, don't ask me, lady." I'm not the one that let him play in the street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's such a bitch. <laughs> like, she's terrible. Straight up. Like to get her mom crying, she's like, "You're you're how do you feel with your son like mangled and unrecognizable in the hospital close to death?" Like she's just fucking brutal. It, I was laughing. Like it was so evil. It was so funny. Yeah, like everybody's an asshole. Angela's an asshole. Tom's an asshole. The reporter, I think her name's Mildred, she's an asshole. All of them. The movie definitely has a subtext of like, uh, if you're involved in like 24 seven, like sensationalist media, you're a dick. Yeah. 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 So we go back to the newsroom, uh, Tom and Angela and their broadcasts are sort of bickering because Tom thinks Angela stole the lead story from, from, um, um, and she tells him he has a small dick. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we want to talk anymore about that. I mean, that's pretty much what happens. That was it. Um, uh, um, and then she heads into an elevator. There's a, like a Muzak version of a, the Jack in the Box song playing. Um, the elevator opens. 
Our lightning bolt delivery boy is there, uh, the sign on the X. This is special delivery, Miss Pandorus. Oh, really? And just what do I have to buy for this special delivery? Ten magazine subscriptions? You've already paid full price for this package. All you have to do is sign. Next to the X, right? Precisely. Dun, dun, dun. He gives her a box. It's wrapped. Earlier on, when she's like an anchor on air and they're interviewing police who are, you know, like you mentioned, they found one piece of evidence. And there was like a scene where she was she was talking over her co-anchor to try to get at what is the evidence? What is the evidence? Because obviously she's nervous that she's going to get caught. And I I think I texted you guys at the moment. I love the idea of just a whole movie of a news anchor who's guilty of a crime and they are covering the story and they're also trying to realize like, am I going to get caught as the story's being covered live on the air? I think that's such a cool dynamic. I don't know. Does that movie exist? If not, we should write it. It sounds like something, but I wouldn't be able to name it. Yeah. You think, I know like network was about an on-air personality who goes nuts and it's also awesome. Or maybe I'm thinking of like, there's a movie of a cop who's investigating his own crime, but yeah, yours would be different. Yeah. Nightcrawler yeah, you is similar. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Watch that. But he's not an on-air anchor. He, he like, he, and he's not a cop. But he does commit crimes in order to get photos, which then he sells to. It's like a similar dynamic. But I, I like the idea of the on-air personality. So like having to have the face of, of a profession while also investigating, a misdeed you did. Uh, that that was cool as shit. I really this short story had some like cool stuff going on in its head. I dug that it. It's cool. Yeah, Nightcrawler's pretty great, too. Yeah, great. God damn, Jake Gyllenhaal can do no wrong. Yeah, so he's like Spider-Man. Peter Parker takes pictures of Spider-Man, who's himself, and sells it to the Daily Bugle. <laughs> yes, you heard it here on Stabby's Dabby. Nightcrawler is exactly like Spider-Man. Well, Shows I mean, <laughs> if you think about it, Jake Gyllenhaal was up for the role of Spider-Man, and Tobey Maguire got it over him, so it's about Good. the same thing. Eric, you may continue. All right. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was, I was about to, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so... Um, we're, we're now at a party where Angela is getting promoted to the network, to the network. Uh, job to the network, that she, she won. Um, she cuts a cake and there's like blood that spills out. Um, and she gets upset and runs out of the room. And Tom's like, oh, I guess she doesn't like strawberry. <laughs> who, who, they don't make cakes that are jelly filled. I, that annoyed me so much. <laughs> that does not exist. I know because I the want imp- one. The implication, <laughs> I, I, I kind of do too. But the implication yes. is it's like a jelly donut. Yeah. She cuts into it and it bleeds, but it's a cake. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it seemed disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> like if it was even in real life. Yeah. I mean, I would I would eat the cake away from it, and then I would spoon out the raspberry filling, and I would just eat the raspberry filling. But that's just me and my eating habits. And then, eat, and then eat the cake afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> While you're crying over the sink. <laughs> also, this is me and Jake Gyllenhaal's Spider-Man. It's me, Spider-Man. <laughs> So sad. Uh, all right, where are we at here? So she starts her car. Uh, a puppet of the dead kid pops out onto the hood and kind of roars at her. I love that, that puppet. Awesome. I love that zombie kid puppet. It's great. <laughs> yeah. It's a little, it is pretty a little great. semen demon. Like it looks, it looks goopy. It's 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 very. Um, I w- I want to say it's very ghoulies, but that also comes up later. So. Um, oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah, it, yeah. He's got like, ha- like how would you describe? It? Like you can see a skull through it. He's sort of 
looks like he had been on fire or something. Yeah, he's also like bald. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is weird. It, it, it looks nothing like a like zombie child. It it looks like no. yeah, it's a ghoul at this point. Like yep. the the normal half of him is very cabbage patch kid, but then the the other half of him is very like um a garbage pail kid. <laughs> like it's kind of both of them mushed together, and then the garbage pail kid was hit with like a heat gun for a while. It's like the best of both worlds right there. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so she's having these nightmare visions. Um, so first the cake, now the puppet kid. She goes back to her condo in her high-rise tower. She gets the package out that she received from What's the delivery guy. What's in the box? Guy. What's in the box? And it's the jack-in-the-box. Has a little bit of blood on it. She throws it in the trash compactor. <laughs> I Which guess I didn't understand. I, I, I guess it's a tr- trash compactor. Is that what that is? Yeah. Right? Okay, yeah. But why would you just throw it away? She doesn't know what it is. She just got like a, I guess it's a creepy box, but still, it's, it's a cool object. Why would you just throw it right in the trash? Keep that shit. Like, Screw this box. Blood yeah, on it. that's true. She didn't know <laughs> what it was at that point. No, yeah. she just threw it away. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Although, Eric, I guess you're right. It did have blood on it. <laughs> yeah, if somebody sends me a bloody box, <laughs> into the trash compactor it goes. I hadn't considered the human fluid element. That's that's a good point. That's a good point, my she, friend. Did she wind it up? Maybe she was like, eh, this, this shit doesn't even work. I think work. she started yeah, to, but she trash. got a phone call, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's Mildred, the uh, Mobile One reporter. She calls and they talk about how about her promotion. And because uh, she basically wants like her old job or something. And they discuss the hit and run. And she tells Angela the the police um, evidence was the box. Dun, so dun, then she dun. makes the connection. Which, by the way, so she is get... evidence of nothing. <laughs> like he found that box right. on the street. It, yeah. There, there would be no way to it? implicate like... her. <laughs> it was a right. it was an Alexa Jack in the Box. It recorded yeah. the whole thing. It was a glitter bomb, and it yeah, it had an iPhone <laughs> in it recording. <laughs> Uh, so she gets wigged out finally, um, like the puppet wouldn't have done it initially. And, but, and also, um, when, yeah, okay. when she got the box from the delivery man in the elevator, he was just basked in this like red light the whole time, <laughs> and she was fine with that as well. So like, yeah, it it takes a lot Smoke, to freak her out. That's true. Well, she's yeah. a news anchor. She's, she's she's seen some shit. Yeah, she's seen it all. She saw a dead kid get hit by the car. Wasn't there a moment in the news studio when they were like, oh, there's a crime happening. What happened? They're like, oh, there was a hit and run. And then somebody said, so what? And then they were like, uh, or who was the victim? And somebody else said, like, it's a small child. And one of the news anchors was like, great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They're used to violence. Terrible. Uh, So now that she's freaked out, she decides to run a bubble bath. Naturally. And we get to... Yeah. This is uh, our nudity shot of the second... Uh, sequence here. So we get Bud and button boobs. Nice. You can uh, check those check, off check, the drink, list. Check, check. <laughs> She's uh, drinking wine and relaxing. Eric called upstairs to his family. Button boobs. <laughs> Nobody came down. Nobody came down. <laughs> it's like the bat signal for Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to respond. Uh, so she hears the Jack in the Box song. She gets out of the tub to investigate. 
we see some hands coming out of the under the toilet lid there. Hey. And our boy puppet pops out again. Pops uh, out of the toilet, say? very ghoulies. There's our ghoulie yes. shot. Yeah, he's looking good. It was a pretty cool practical effect. Um, uh, Is that when he screams, said? like, I think I got an owie? <laughs> that's later. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, that's like the best line. No, yeah. <laughs> says, she was hearing a song, and when he pops out of the toilet, he sings, like, the next line of the song, like the last line. Yes. I don't know what the song yep. was or what the line was, but, yeah, that's what, oh. that's what he said. It was like Ring Around the Rosy type oh, thing yeah, for the Jack yeah. in the Box song. And he says, let me... Let me be all bloody or something like that. I don't, yeah. <laughs> or left me all bloody? Yeah. That's Left fine. me all, That's you're right, you're it. right. Yeah, left me all bloody. You're right. Yep. So she wakes up, and it seems like this was all a dream. Um, she makes a call, and they reveal in the phone call. I don't know who she calls. I don't know if it's like nine one one or the news folks, or I don't know who who it was. I guess it doesn't matter. But oh no, she anyway, calls the they, hospital about the kid to see if he's yes, that's if right. he's still there because he's, she's being haunted by the ghouly boy, right? The boy, yeah. So they <laughs> and they tell her that. Um, he was taken to the morgue, so he's dead. And then her garbage disposal freaks out and starts smoking and red lights and shit starts shooting out, out of it. And she starts freaking out on the phone. She's like, he, he's going to kill me. Um, so the hospital woman's like, well, we'll send the policeman over to your house. Um, so then she goes, takes a nap, I guess. She like she recovers. From, she's like, I'm just going to take a bubble bath. Now she's going to take a nap. <laughs> Trauma um, collapse. Trauma collapse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the box is next to her on a pillow. It pops open. She looks inside. And this red glowing like spectral light shoots out, like bounces off of a window or whatever. Uh, goes under the floor tiles. They start like erupting off the ground. And then she runs into the other room and shuts the door. And, and Dan, that's when we hear the voice. That's right. <laughs> And then she goes outside and the boy is there in like normal form holding the box and he's like do you want to play with my toy um anything there guys you okay so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no, so tell me about uh, this girl playing with this boy's toy so we cut back and now instead of the boy we get the wise cracking decaying puppet again you can see the skull through him um he points the box at her, almost like a weapon, and it just sprays blood directly in her face. <laughs> yeah, which is so great. Such a good shot. All right, we're back in the house. Um, she's got no blood on her now. Um, she's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry. It was an accident. We see some hand, some fingers trying to, like, get into the house and, like, unlock the door jam, the, like, the security latch. She stabs the hand, and then she runs in the middle of the room and, like, goes into like a fetal position or something and then her all of her electronics start playing the jack-in-the-box song to her uh the tv shows the jack-in-the-box and then i think the tv explodes in her face 
like in, like her body blows up from the television. Yeah, trans, it was super fast. That was the vibe I got too. Like the the TV detonated and she might have detonated as well. Yeah, it looked yeah. like a, like an explosion. Yeah. All right, so the uh, officer comes in. There's no body. Um, the house seems like the... it's in pretty good shape, right? The house the house didn't look messed up. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. We hear that there was an officer that had a knife wound in his hand. Mildred's there with Mobile One. She's reporting um, that the Angela's uh, mysteriously disappeared. There's cops in her condo. They find the box, the Jack in the Box. And the one cop's like, this is the same box from the crime scene. It's the same dent, same blood. It's the same one. And they're like, well, the only way to know is to play <laughs> it. Because it when we played the... Uh, yeah, just pop that up. The other one didn't do anything. So let's play it. So they play it. Or it plays itself. They they drop it and it plays itself or some shit. And uh, out pops like a cloth doll version of Angela. She's got her little anchor suit outfit on and a microphone. And we it's swaying back and forth. And we can hear her sort of like softly crying in the background. Yeah. Uh, the puppet was pretty awesome. The the Angela puppet. Great. Yeah, it looked really good. I also like the like long Spielberg shot, the reaction of the two cops before we get to see the doll coming out of the box. We have this long shot of the two cops just trying to process what the fuck they're looking at. Nice. It was nice. It was a nice little reveal. It was it was pretty cool. Shock and all. Yeah. Shock. Like, I don't even know if they would know that that was no. Angela, right? Like they haven't really done anything with her at this point. Uh, actually, that's a good point. Yeah, unless they like watch the news every night, they wouldn't know. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> that was a I, I don't watch the news every night. Fuck the news. Well, you know, this was back in 1990 when there was only the news was on. You could watch the news and Roseanne. Something I like about both of these uh, little uh, stories so far is that uh, it's fun to hate the people that die. It's it's awesome. <laughs> The people that, like, get their comeuppance in these movies are fucking terrible. Like, she, she does. She murders a little boy and doesn't fess up to it and, like, accepts a promotion and getting all this shit. Like, good. Let the guilt kill you. See you later. Have fun. Don't let the door hit you on your way to hell. Yeah, I think the first the first two segments were were really fun. Like, they were very, like, throwbacks to um, how, like, 80s horror was. Uh, the third one, which I'll talk about, I like this one. Oh, it's really... I think it's well done. It's just not fun. <laughs> like, it's not no. goofy at all. Mm. It's yeah. cathartic. It's really cathartic, but it's not fun. <laughs> no. Eric, did you have any, like, closing thoughts on that one? No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We got an, an emphatic no from Eric. Uh, so, uh... Yeah. That was Pandora. <laughs> uh, I, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll get going on Veterans Day, which is our third, uh, third of three segments of the uh, movie. Um, That's the last one. Yep, it's the last one. Oh, it worked <laughs> out perfectly. There's three of us. Oh well. Now Greg will show them how to do a plot. So uh, it opens up on a an old, little old veteran raising a flag, saluting it, and walking into his house with two little girls. And there's a little kid riding by on a, a big wheel that also has, like, two American flags on the back. Mm-hmm. It's just a road full of American flags. Just real patriotism here on the street. Um, then we cut to our Ooh. main character. Yeah, Dan? 
Oh, I, I just want to say, I, th th this movie's going to get into, like, Vietnam shit. And I, I, I just want to set the stage that, like, the movie opens with a World War II vet celebrating Veterans Day. And World War II was, like, a pretty clear-cut conflict. Like, maybe one of the only justifiable wars that's that's ever really happened. And, uh, and then the rest of the movie is about, like, a war that isn't that justifiable? I don't know. I just noticed that contrast right off from the start, and I thought that was interesting. And I liked the, like, cloud that that put in my head as I watched the rest of the movie. That it opens with the World War II vet, but then the rest of it is going to be about Vietnam. Uh, there there should be contrast there. That's healthy. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Um, so from there, we cut to our main character, Eric Keller. Uh, he's in bed. His alarm's going off. He's waking up. He's slapping the alarm clock. And he's demanding coffee from a woman that isn't next to him. Uh, so he ends up walking around the house. No one's there. Uh, he goes into, like, this room, which, kind of you know, it's obviously like a kid's room. Uh, his wife is gone. His kids are gone. He ends up calling his lawyer, um, basically saying, like... You can have custody of the goddamn kids. You just keep her away from my money and my property. I, I don't care. She can have the kids. I, you know, she can take them. Uh, but keep her away from the house and my money. Um, so we, we find out that his wife has left him at this point. Did you notice on the background, um, in the background on the wall is a poster for the, uh, uh, the driller that there was a poster for a movie called driller and it had our leather clad driller killer that's, on the poster. That's awesome. Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, that's cool. Another little nod. I always think yeah. that these like anthologies, like what's interesting some... is there's a real movie called driller killer. Yeah, there is. Yeah. I think it just said driller. Okay, okay. But it okay. had the driller killer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I gotcha. I, I, sometimes I watch these anthologies and I think some like enterprising producer saw three short films that were like loosely related to each other and they were like, ah, oh, we'll package these up. We'll sell them as an anthology. Like we'll shoot some like grout to go between the tiles and that's, that's fine. That's a package. But this movie, like every one of the shorts have like clear cut production nods to the other yeah. stories which yeah. is kind of cool little, that means little like, callbacks this, this yeah is, yeah yeah it's nice it was all very intentional i dug it um so from there he uh he finds a whiskey bottle on the table with a note that his wife has left him and i had to pause it because it was really hard to read but what i could make <laughs> I <didn't> out <laughs> was it, uh, it said i can handle you hitting me but when you go after the kids it's time to leave so uh um, we learned that he's an abusive husband and father and um that's added to by the fact that he then goes ahead and just drinks whiskey for breakfast um, i mean don't we all well I, yeah home, but i don't maybe. i don't beat people so that's fine <laughs> yeah don't don't punch uh, kids. yeah or be your wife drunk. um uh that's when don't we get a, kids that's uh <laughs> that's when we get a knock on the door and it's our good old delivery boy <laughs> it is it is lightning bolt hat and jacket the flash eric keller yeah, I have a package for you. Sign next to the X. What's this going to cost me? Oh, it's all been paid for, Mr. Keller. All you have to do is sign. What, I finally win something? I believe it's more like something you've earned. He, he comments that it's Veterans Day, um, which, hey, if you didn't notice, is the name of this short. Uh... <laughs> And the, the delivery boy gives, gives him a uh, journal, which is dedicated to Eric's courage. Um, and it's written by Larry Novotny. And we get a, a little flashback scene here to an, uh, like an anti-Vietnam War protest. 
and Eric is there with like two yuppie friends. They're criticizing the protesters. Um, and uh, we, we get Larry Novotny comes over and he's basically like getting up in Eric's face because uh, Larry took a semester off of school and Eric ended up getting him drafted into the war, basically like ratting him out that he's not like he doesn't have a deferment for school. So like he got spite. drafted. Yeah, because he's an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Larry, we should point out, Larry's like a hippie. He's like a peace-loving yeah. hippie. Like the back of his... I loved his jean jacket. The back of his jean jacket <laughs> yeah. has like an upside-down flag stitched on it. And he's all anti-war. And yeah, Eric, this asshole. Eric, you asshole. Yeah, yeah. What is it with Eric's? Eric's are real pieces of shit. Actually, I think this Eric is spelled with a K. <laughs> Oh, good. Um, I, so I think it was a C. I think it was a C. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I Eric's like, it. I'll okay. take it. Um, uh, regardless. Uh, yeah, so so uh, Larry Novotny pretty much says like he's going to make Eric pay for basically forcing him into the war. Um, so the flashback's over. And Eric, do, wait, doesn't doesn't Eric say like, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'll see you in hell. And then Larry says, like, yeah. Like you, you yeah, will. Yeah, oh, like, that's, yeah that, that's that's actually important to say that he's he's promising to see him in hell. Yeah. You son of a bitch, Keller. If it's the last thing I do, I'm gonna pay you back for this. Go to hell, nobody. That's exactly where I'm going, Keller. But I swear to you, man. Someday, I'm gonna meet you there. And, uh, you know, after the flashback's over, we're back in Eric's house, and he ends up throwing the journal into the fireplace. Um, but he, then he sees a person sitting in, like, his chair in his, like, living room. The guy's all, all burned up and dead. I just wanted to mention, the first page of the journal that he's looking at, there, there's just the smiley face drawn on it. <laughs> it's, like, hard to take it serious. Like, this is my <laughs> Vietnam War journal, and there's a little hand-drawn smiley i just thought that was was funny yeah i hate this war but the uniforms are adorable (laughs) if forrest gump taught me anything didn't the smiley face wasn't that invented around the vietnam war era oh shit yeah the buttons that they would put on their hands yeah there you go (laughs) so maybe it makes sense also Uh, maybe it does one other little before he meets uh also i get all my my american history from forrest gump so i don't know if it's accurate or not after the flashback, after the flashback, it, it shows Eric. He like wanders into his kitchen, and you see him take his mug full of whiskey, and he like dumps it in the sink. And for a moment, I was thinking like, oh, maybe it's like, oh, maybe I should use this memory to like try to better myself or something like that. And then he looks down and he shrugs and he picks up the whiskey and just refills his mug with whiskey again. <laughs> yeah, this guy's such an asshole. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he sees a he a burned up and and basically zombified guy sitting in his living room. It turns out that it's Larry. Larry Novotny. Um, he, uh, in Vietnam War, he was listed as missing in action. And uh, he basically criticizes Eric for not being a soldier, um, but tries to feel like a real man by beating up women and children. Um, and he, I think he like, he does something. He throws something through like the window and it shatters and a bunch of the like. Journal. Oh, it was a Okay, that's right. He had the journal because he read a little bit of Robert Frost from it. Um uh, after he breaks the window with the uh, the journal, a bunch of like zombie, gooey zombie soldiers appear like in the house and hit Eric with like the butt of the rifle, and it kind of cuts to him being like on the ground in Vietnam, um, where he's immediately shot 
in like the <laughs> shoulder. Uh, and he, yeah, he just goes down. He's, 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 we, we kind of find out through little jabs that N- Novotny's with him pretty much the whole time. Just not like physically part of the scene. You know what I mean? It's very um, like ghost of Christmas. Past, yeah. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, uh, we, we, we learned that he's pretty much a living, what Novotny had gone through when he was in Vietnam. I, I like the little touch where the, the where he lands when he goes back to Vietnam is he ends up in a trench yeah, uh, in the jungles of Vietnam and he like panics because he sees a dead body and he doesn't know what to do and as he's spinning around you see a sign like planted in the trench behind him that says home is where you dig it. Yep. <laughs> and I, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> yeah. I like that sign. Um, so uh, after getting shot he passes out and wakes up uh, in like a little wooden cage as a prisoner of war and we learn he's been unconscious for three days Novotny won't really help him or well, you know uh, he's pretty he, Novotny pretty much says like Ooh, that wound smells foul what do you say we hang a no pest strip on it keep the maggots off um, he gets taken out of the cage and is brought to like uh, an area with some other like US soldiers uh, to be interrogated they're asking him how many people are in his unit and Eric's crying about how he's not a, not a soldier and he's not supposed to be there. And they end up taking off his pants. And I think they take a hot, like, sword and just burn his dick. You don't yeah. see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he doesn't scream as much as I would have expected. <laughs> uh, That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Recovered pretty quickly um, from whatever that was. Well, he's also, he's probably septic. He's probably got a lot of nerve damage to begin with but uh yeah so that's he's not, he's not doing well yeah he's it's yeah. just like his reaction if were that the only injury it would be oh my god my dick but since it's like his 40th injury he's like oh not again <laughs> yeah yeah he's also oh, one more he's also back in time in vietnam and he's got a zombie kind of walking with him <laughs> Uh, maybe he had a uh, a wiener log on they just burned oh, the wiener yeah. log yeah. oh that's it that's it's another throwback yeah <laughs> um, not my chest toupee after he, after he gets his dong burned a uh, a kind of fight breaks out because one of the American soldiers like got the jump on one of the Vietnam soldiers has like a knife to his throat so it all kind of happens uh, grenade falls everybody kind of runs and um uh, pretty much all the American soldiers that were there are killed, but Eric kind of has a chance to escape now, and uh, he's he's running through like the swamps and the the forests, and he triggers a a trap like a booby trap, and a spiked log comes down, uh, and and kind of just hits him right through the shoulder again. So now he's it's called a it's called a pungai stick. There you it's go, a, a sharpened shaft of bamboo at the end of a at the end of a stick. Um, yeah, those things were nasty. And, uh, you know, he's now even in more pain laying in the, the kind of the mud and Novotny's talking to him and he's saying like, oh, you know, I heard that um, there's there's a uh, regiment of, Amer- of U.S. soldiers just like 100 yards away. And if I were you, I would go to them. And he's like, oh, but, you know, this seems familiar. I think I went this way. Or did I go this way? I can't really remember. Um, so he's just like just giving him shit <laughs> you know just, just like making him, him feel how he felt um and the the vietnam soldiers are are shooting guns and it scares off the, you know we can see american soldiers in the distance and they start backing away as they hear the gunfire so eric is kind of just left there to die um novotny ends up going through um 
you know, he he, he kind of has this monologue at this point. Up until now, your little episode here was exactly what I went through 20 years ago. But it looks like this is where they part. You see, Keller, I can remember lying here, choking with thirst, my shoulders stinking, festering with disease, my mind on the brink of insanity, and me wanting to do nothing more than die. And I thought if I prayed hard enough, I could somehow, by the grace of God, will myself dead. Um, and it, it, he pretty much was talking about his experience in the war, um, why he won't help Eric. And uh, my favorite part is where he says, like, the reason he won't help Eric is because in Eric's fact, you're the, the sorriest, sorriest fuck, fuck I've, I've ever, ever seen. seen. <laughs> and I've said that so many times. <laughs> I loved that monologue. Yeah, it was really good. It was really, really terrific. Yeah, well it, delivered, too. Yeah, basically kind of goes through his own story um, of, of how he was in this position. He was wanting to die. He couldn't remember his family. He couldn't remember his girlfriend. Uh, and as he's talking, his zombie makeup kind of starts fading away. And we see yeah. him as a more of a person. Um, uh, but and while his voice he, changes, too. He, like, transforms back. And not just into, like, an unburned man, but he transforms back into, like, a boy. Like, you re- you remember, like, oh, this is, like, a college-age kid yeah. that yeah. died. Yeah. Yeah, because the makeup does make him look significantly different. Definitely. Um, so yeah. You, yeah. You, do, you do feel sympathy for him um but yeah so he was saying that while he's dying all he could think of was like his vow to meet eric in hell um and that this was a promise that he was going to keep my one thread to reality my one bond to the living was you and my vow to be you in hell and he turns away and just starts walking off and eric is left there crying and dying in the the forests of vietnam and then it kind of quickly flashes to the real world like back out of that memory or or that that kind of fantasy and eric is crying at a military funeral um he ends up getting taken away by the cops um and we see the gravestone and it's Larry Novotny's gravestone who died 20 years ago, but his body was finally brought back to the States. Um, and he's actually having like a real funeral. Um, so that was, uh, yeah, uh, this was one where, that was a sad um, one. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't end up dying at the end, but he learned a pretty rough lesson. Um, but yeah, so I, I went through that one quick cause there's not a lot of like little, kind of gags and stuff throughout like the other ones but it was a it was good (laughs) it was was really well done um well and he was like he was sort of like dogging on him the whole time oh yeah that's where the that's where the humor came in like uh levotny was the novotny yeah 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 like uh he had a lot of really good lines where he was just egging him on and teasing him and like cracking jokes so i think that gave it a like lightened it up a little. Yeah, bit. it gave it levity, but um, yeah, just 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 you're just watching Eric. Like, I mean, we know he's a piece of shit, but just watching him just getting tortured like this entire yeah. time. Yeah, I um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was it was really good. It was um, like I said, p- 
pretty well done. I, I was torn watching it because I love... You never see... I have not seen many movies where the rich, yuppie, dickhead, asshole, pro-war piece of shit who's like, yeah, you guys need to go over there and fight this war. I'm pro this war. But they, they themselves will never go fight it. They're just they're all about sacrificing other human lives, yep. but not their own. And then I enjoyed watching that character suffer. I thought that was I it was cathartic. Not like I was getting kicks out of it or whatever, but like I liked seeing a piece of media that like forced a war hungry piece of shit asshole to like pretty much eat shit and die uh, in place of somebody else. Like I thought that was pretty powerful. And yeah, Eric, you're totally right. Like Larry was there, and he he did he had some like one liners like sprinkled in there. He was he was pretty funny. Like the hit, he had that like uh, aloof attitude through the whole thing. Like yeah. oh, first right, time. Right. Like yeah. But yeah, so well, I mean, at that point, it struck he, a balance. He 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 didn't have to worry about anything happening. Yeah, so, he, like he'd he, already suffered. He'd already yeah. experienced everything that Eric was going through. Um. Yeah. I so, mean, so that was Veterans Day. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I, yeah none was. of us none of us know how to end our segments um yeah so this, this was our our first uh attempt at doing a uh an anthology having other people talk about the plots um but yeah so uh why don't we uh why don't we just hop into those ratings time for the ratings So here on Stabby Stabby, we uh, rate our films at the end here, um, one to ten stabs, with uh, ten being uh, the most affectionate. So the, the, the more times we stab the film, the the more that we uh, enjoyed it. So um, <laughs> we're just going to get right into ratings for 1990s Terrorgram. Uh, let's see, who wants to go first? Uh, Greg, how about yourself? All right. What was your, what was your rating? Um, I would give Terrorgram, I'm going to say seven and a half stabs. Um, I was very surprised at how much I enjoyed this. It's, it's lower budget. Um, the, the, the effects were serviceable. Um, there, I enjoyed a lot of the, the gore stuff. Um, it was, I, I, I actually feel like I like that there was three, but I feel like there should have been like a better wraparound story. Um, to really mm. like tie it together, just give me give me like a, 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 a what is it, a Night Train to Terror kind of story, <laughs> you know, mm. like um, or like any kind of thing to kind of give me reasons why this delivery boy is showing up. But um, yeah, it was as soon as I finished uh, even the first segment, I was just like, this is a really really fun movie, and I can't believe I've never watched this before. Um. So yeah, definitely. Uh, I I would say check this one out. Uh, so uh, yeah, seven and a half from me. Um, all right, Dan, how many uh, how many stabs you giving it? Well, I uh, I'm I'm right there with you actually, and you know what? I'm gonna go a little bit higher. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say eight, and I'm and I'm gonna say something maybe a little controversial. If they ever do a Blu-ray release of this, don't get it. Watch the VHS quality because I definitely think the like fuzziness brought some charm to it. And I also, the reason I'm going so high with it, the production value doesn't merit an eight. The performances don't really merit an eight. None of that stuff really merit. The writing is a little cheesy. 
Um, I totally, everything that Greg just said, I 100% agree with. Uh, it was fun to watch. I was way more like wrapped up in it than I, I thought it was going to be. But like really, like each one of the, the, the first short was about like misogyny. And it was awesome. And then the second one was about like people in the media are kind of assholes. And it was awesome. And then the last one was about like people that love war can eat a dick and die. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> like every single short had like a theme that has, I, I guess it's kind of sad how well those three themes have aged, <laughs> but they're, they're great. It felt like really relevant to watch again in 2021. And I would heartily recommend this to anybody else out there. Like it was fun. It was funny. And it like that 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 Veterans Day short was what a note to what a note to end on. Uh, none of them were perfect. This is not a perfect movie. Like if it wasn't this combo of these stories, I don't think I would rate it as high. But man, just something about it. I'm gonna give this an eight. Eric, what did you think? I, I'm pretty much right in line with you guys. I had rated it a seven. Um, I don't know if I have too much more to add. I liked the pacing. Uh, it was kind of quick. Like I felt like it it moved along really well. I liked the comedy elements. Uh, totally. You guys already mentioned this is bad people getting punished, basically. And uh, even for how goofy the delivery guy was and the James Earl show, like voiceovers <laughs> was, it just yeah. added something to it. Like the, the 80s-ness of it uh, was also cool, too, the practical effects. So um, I just I, I love anthologies. Um, I, I thought I had seen probably most of them. Um, or the big ones anyway, and I had not seen this yet. So um, it seemed a little familiar. So I was like, did I did I watch this at one point? But um, either way, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Um, I give it a solid seven. It's really cool. So that was 1990s Terragram. Um, speaking of grams, if you want to find out what we're going to watch next, you should go on to Instagram, the real Terragram, <laughs> and follow us at StabbyPod. All right, how about that segue? That was good, yeah. Hop on over yeah. to StabbyPod and um, talk to me, please. I'm Gently. so I'm so lonely. And if you like that segue, let us know what you liked about it by leaving us a five-star review on whatever podcatcher you're listening to this on. And uh, in the comments with your five, all five stars, please, thank you. Uh, just let us know what you liked about that segue. Was it, was it how how quickly I got there or was it just the tone of my voice? Was it that I'm handsome? Well, I said it was, was it because I'm handsome. <laughs> that's, that's not true. Any, uh, is there anything else? Is there anything else? Uh, to, solid to five stars. Uh, <laughs> solid, solid five. I was, I'm, I'm impressed by the length of this episode. I thought it was going to be way longer. So you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, listeners. We <laughs> All right. And you, uh, you know what we like to say at the end of these episodes, don't forget to stab your friends. As you reap, so shall you sow. At any time, your past may become your present. We have borne witness to three stories of retribution, but there are countless yet to be told. The outcome of each story can range from the ridiculous to the sublime, from the trivial to the terrible. But know that above all, for every action, there exists the possibility of a greater, more horrifying reaction. A truth that is contained not in the laws of nature, but in the rule of conscience. A truth that may already be written in the text of your soul. <laughs>